0: He died, well, he's alive. He rose again then, and he still reigns today. And make no mistake, that is a very big, big deal. Um, And that narrative, that moment in history is recorded for us so vividly. It's recorded for us in four different Gospels, four pictures, eyewitness accounts of, of what was going on that day, how it was received, how, how all these pieces of information started coming together and all of a sudden what was once just part of the story came together and now you had the rest of the story. And people were glued and and, and excited and, and lives were changed. How many of you like a really good thriller mystery? A few of you, you can you can admit that. It's okay. I'm not there's no judging here. I love those stories and I and I love those movies where you're watching and and all of a sudden you'll 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 get this part and you'll get this character and and this person and 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 you won't know exactly what part they played till later and then you see another person and you're like well who's that guy and and, and what she got to do with it and and you're trying to piece it all together and then by the end there's this aha moment and it's like. And you're like, wow, that was good. And that's just fiction. Those are just fictional moments. Here, when you look at the unfolding of Matthew chapters 28 and Mark chapter 16 and John chapter 19 through 21 and Luke chapter 24, these four gospels, they're this unfolding moment in history that actually happened. And once you see it come together, we sit back and our minds are blown, our our hearts are rended open, because we get to see, wow, this is that Jesus, this is the power He had. This is what the Gospel is. And and I know that word can be like a buzzword, sometimes it can feel overused, and so much to the point that you hear the word Gospel so many times that sometimes you even forget what it means. But with the resurrection, you see that word gospel being good news as that's really what it is. It's not just some news. It's not just relatable news. It's not just ah, kind of helpful or good story news. It is really good news. Because the resurrection is the part that shows that Christ is indeed who he says he is. That he wasn't having this mistaken identity. He wasn't having this complex of superiority. He is indeed the Lord. And then you see that, wow, his death actually meant something. It wasn't like a raise your fist uh, against a rebellion kind of thing. It wasn't just a, a light versus the dark side story. It was accomplishing exactly what the Lord had planned for it to accomplish. I was talking to one of our worship team members this morning. And I said, I love that text she's reading from ephesians because i think sometimes we get this idea that in the unfolding story that 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 jesus is kind of like well god doing like well let me just try this maybe this will work for them but no, it's going back to say before the foundations of the earth were there, He loved us and, and He had already developed the plan for how this was going to be, how He was going to unfold this. That, that He knew from the moment He said, let there be light, and to the moment He said, uh, let us make man in our image and him breathe life into them, He knew what sin was going to do. And yet in His perfect redemption, in all of His glory, He still went forth with saying, I will show the greatest redemption story the cosmos will ever echo. That I can save the unsavable. I can redeem the unredeemable. I can rescue the sinful and the lost and the dead and dying. I can do that. And I will bring about it through a people and I will give that people prophets to speak my word and to tell them and be my mouthpiece. I, I will give them priests that will be mediators to help them uh, find what it means to live in holiness, even though they still completely won't get it. I will give them kings to lead them and rule over them. But all of these will just be imperfect glimpses of the One who was to come, the One who would be the complete prophet, whose very words were the very words of God. To be the complete priest, the, to take the sacrifice upon Himself and be that ultimate mediator. To be the king that says, I will lead you and I am not passive in my rescue. Only the God man could do this. You see, we make a big deal out of Easter and resurrection Sundays because if Jesus stayed in the tomb, he's just another guy. That's just the, the, the blatant point of it. That if Jesus stayed in the tomb, if, if He died and stayed dead, He's just another guy. Significant in history, yes. But our sins are still enslaving us. Death is still something to be feared. Salvation seems unattainable. But because of the empty tomb, because Jesus is resurrected, we see something powerful. And I would just want to give you a glimpse of that today as we study god's word together i'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of god's word we stand to honor so many things we certainly should honor god who has graciously given us the kindness of knowing him so we're going to be in the gospel of luke today it's the third gospel in the new testament you could find that if you're looking for it in the pew bible on pages 938 through 940 we're not going to read the entirety in this moment but we are going to look at the entire chapter today and by the way, if you don't have a Bible that you can read, it's like in modern-day language that's readable and accurate, that Bible that you got in your hand right that you pulled out of the pew, please take it. It's, it's yours. It's our gift to you. And we don't want it for decoration. It's, it's for your use because we want to get the Bible in people's hands and ultimately in their heart. But let's just look at the first 12 verses together. According to the word of the Lord recorded in the Gospel of Luke, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And, and while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the, men, the women were, were terrified and, and bowed down to the ground. But why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying it is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, to be crucified and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the 11, the 11 being the disciples that remained, the, those first out of the 12, and to all the rest. There were other people there. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women were telling, them, telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them. They did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, and when he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths. So he went away amazed at what had happened. Let's pray. Lord God, today, open our ears to hear from you. Open our eyes so that we may see you. Open our hearts so that we may receive you. And God, today, as we study your word, help us to learn from you. Help me just be a servant in your hands, that the saints of the Lord may be edified the church may be sanctified, and that you, God, above all, would be glorified in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. may be seated. So every time we come into our time together reading the Bible, we understand that there are people from multiple walks of life, and we're so grateful to have you here. No matter what background you may find yourself in, maybe maybe you consider yourself very religious or not religious at all. Maybe you consider yourself a a very good student of the Bible and have read much of it. Maybe you have not read much as you would like, and and you feel guilty about that. Please do not. But we understand when people come in, regardless of where they're at, they may have questions. And, And we would be wrong. We would be absolutely cruel if we didn't help people with their questions they have about God, especially in how you can know Him, how you can be saved by Him, and how you can grow with Him. And so in part of these questions, we want to always look and say, what does the Bible say? We, we could talk about all kinds of nice pleasantries and things to warm your heart. I could tell you nice little stories about nice guys doing nice things and rescuing other people so they become nice. I could do all that. And, and you might get a little warm, fuzzy heart, but it wouldn't change you. How many of you have ever had a fuzzy heart about a moment, but it didn't really change you? Like, I've watched Old Yeller, and, and I'll admit, I, I cried like a baby, but it didn't change me. I walked around like, that's a sad movie. they shot that dog. I'm sorry, I spoilers. Spoilers. But it didn't change me, see? It gave me a warm fuzzy, but I didn't walk away different. I've I've been to classes and and different things where I've heard and I'm like wow that guy's really smart and sad and like I I really learned to see things from a different perspective that way, but you know what I still walked away and I, and what I found is that I might have learned something, but I wasn't different on the inside like my forces of habits weren't changed because I, I went to a class about what type of coffee to drink that, that doesn't happen now your life can be changed if you are a lover of coffee but that's a whole another ball game a whole other subject. I've also been very entertained before and saw like, wow, that was a really good production. That was really unique. I've seen people that do the the portrayal of the the passion story in such a beautiful way that it's just so captivating. And yet people can see and say, wow, I was really entertained by that and walk away unchanged. But whenever you get into the Word and, and God graciously allows the Word of God to get into you, That's where stuff happens. That's where things begin being transformed. So we want to see what it says. We also want to know what it means. What are we looking at here? When we're looking at the Bible, some of the ways you can figure out is, all right, well, who wrote it? Who's the author? And who do they write it to? Who's the audience? And what's the aim? Here, the apostle Luke is is a physician and and a, a very good Greek historian he's a careful investigator making sure that people understand what is happening he's a co-traveler with the apostle paul so he sees the early church in action and here he's writing within 15 to 20 years of jesus death burial and resurrection so when he's writing and he's disseminating this information he better be accurate because there were people around that said no 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 that didn't happen no, I know that you get that wrong. Uh, oh, here's the body of Jesus. By the way, uh, they could have done that. This is written in the very first generation, so he better be careful. But it's also written so that we can see the twofold life of Jesus—that he is the Son of Man and the Son of God. That that Jesus, as the Son of God, became the Son of Man, so that the sons of men be- could be adopted and saved as sons of God. This is that picture it's trying to give us and carefully illustrate, carefully share what is this in history that has made such a dynamic difference. Then we need to ask, how does it apply? We see the meaning of what, what is given to us and then we start looking at our own life and seeing where it fits. We don't change the meaning, but we see how it applies to us. But the big question is what we trust, what God is saying. Today, as we look at this snippet of Scripture, this portion that is so important that many churches are talking about today, we have to see what what happens when we know and experience the resurrected Jesus. What happens to a life that joyfully lives on mission for the kingdom of God? Well, we're going to look and see how that takes place and see how transformational the resurrection of Jesus is. If there's one thing that all Christianity stands on, it's this topic. And so we must know it. And the reason we must know it is because if it didn't happen, even the Bible itself says, get this, even the Bible itself says in 1 Corinthians 15, that if the resurrection did not happen, then we as believers are to be the most pitied and pitiful people on this earth. Because we're all fools. If it didn't happen. But if it did happen, it changes everything. And everything in the Gospels is building up to this awesome miracle. I mean, think about it. There's some cool things that happen when we talk about the story of Jesus, right? There's some cool things. But none of it has meaning with the resurrection. And not if Christ didn't rise from the grave. It means that his virgin birth that we talk about at Christmas time, meaningless. No matter how cute the baby is and the wise man, that story, and how many times you like seeing your kids in a Christmas pageant. If the resurrection didn't happen, that story's meaningless. It goes nowhere. If the resurrection didn't happen, Jesus being perfectly obedient, perfectly holy, meaningless. Because what that tells us is you could live a completely holy life and it doesn't make a difference. You still die. That's depressing, right? You're like, man, I didn't get dressed up in bright, colorful things for this. What about his miracles and his teaching? Can't that be nothing? Can't that be something? Well, we applaud great illusion artists, don't we? But what happens whenever that that craft of theirs, that I'm attempting this great feat, cost them their lives? It's a great show while it lasted. That's what we say. And that would be where Jesus would be equated with that, wow, He did incredible things, but like Houdini, here today, gone tomorrow. Even the crucifixion itself Dying perfectly on that cross, if there's no resurrection, it's meaningless. That means there is no payment high enough. There is nothing glorious enough. There is no true grace. But because of the resurrection, it changes. This is why the the author of Luke, this good doctor, he takes the time to share with us. In fact, the very opening part of, of the book of Luke, it says, many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. So it seemed good to me that I, after I have carefully investigated everything from the very first to the last to write to you in an orderly sequence. Why? So that you may know the certainty of the things that you've been instructed. So let's look at the certainty of these things and how they're so transformational. Let's look at the first how the tomb was emptied that day. The tomb was empty and let me tell you, it was a surprising scene. The scene was absolutely surprising as it was open and emptied. In verses one through three, it says that these ladies, they're coming to bring these spices that they had prepared for Jesus. Because it was an honorable thing whenever you dealt with dead bodies to treat them with honor. You didn't want your loved ones there in their decay and everything else to, to go through all the other stuff. And so they would prepare these spices so that it wouldn't be so offensive and it would be honoring to the dead. And that's what they're going. They're, they're going to just take care because that's what they thought. Jesus is dead. How could he be alive? No matter how many times he had said it. And believe me, he said it multiple times, but they're surprised. These ladies are surprised. They're probably thinking, how are we going to get past these Roman guards? How are they going to treat us when we get there? Who's going to see us? Well, we'll just have to deal with that when we get there. How are we going to roll this stone away? They get there and both the stone is rolled away. The soldiers are scattered in fear. And they did not find the body of Jesus. It's gone talk about a surprise talk about a surprise imagine if you will a loved one has passed and you go to their place of rest their the funeral home maybe you're already preparing and everything and all of a sudden they said not here we'd be like um, excuse me what happened that, that, that they can't be right but this wasn't just like a okay, well we just lost the body it was sealed up. It was guarded by Roman soldiers whose job was to make sure that nobody did anything that, to that body. And yet it is gone. And then the, not only does the scene surprising, but there's some men that's surprising. It says, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. This is, this, this is not like saying, well, he looked fabulous. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that this was something like we could not even picture coming up with on earth. It's, it's, uh, it's unearthly. This dazzling. That's why they're so terrified. They're now like, huh, "Cool duds, awesome." Where'd you get those shoes? That's not it. And they stood by them, and the women are automatically terrified. They bow down to the ground, and these men they speak words of comfort. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? You may have thought this was a cemetery, but it's not. It's not. It's a vacancy. You see that there's a message that's also surprising here. As the women are terrified and they hear this, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He says, He has risen. He's not here. And remember how He spoke to you. In fact, here's the surprising part. If you had listened and really listened to all the times that Jesus has said that I am going to Jerusalem, I am going to be delivered into the hands of sinful men, I am going to be there crucified, buried and rising in the third day, you probably shouldn't have waited around till Sunday. You should have probably been here for the main event. Because you should have expected it. And they're remembering and recalling, wow, yes, that is true. That is true. But not only should it not have surprised them, the Bible declares this very direct message that what had just happened over the past few days, it was necessary. It was essential. It was absolutely going to happen. This is not an afterthought moment. And so they run and they're going and sharing and then their report is surprising. They remember Jesus' words and they go and report these things. And whenever they tell them to the apostles... They're like, eh, you're getting worked up about something. I, I don't know if you really have all the clues together. I don't know if that's really what's going on. But Peter, even though he was one of them, it seemed like nonsense to him. He's like, well, it couldn't hurt to go to the tomb. Especially if the soldiers are gone, I'll just go take a peek. The Bible tells us in the book of John that him and John ran. Peter went in and looked and there's just the linen clothes. They're folded there. So whoever took away the body of Jesus took him away naked. That's weird. But he goes away amazed at what happened. Maybe, maybe it's possible. Now, there's always this question that happens, when, and, and, I, and I, I don't want to be foolish enough to think that everyone that's here, while you may have come to be with your family or, or honor the Lord, you may, not have, you may not have certainty about whether or not Jesus rose from the dead. And, and there's all kinds of possible explanations that people have trusted in. One, there's the belief that Jesus really didn't die on the cross, that maybe he had an impersonator, or or after he died, there was this you know evil twin Jesus. <laughs> hey, you can't tell who I am because of the mustache, you know, that kind of thing. And maybe that's who it was, and, and he just coined the, the the belief system. Or maybe Jesus merely fainted on the cross and, and he, he walked out on his own. The problem with that is when Jesus shows himself to Thomas, he's still got the wounds of the guy on the cross. And then how do you get out of a sealed tomb when there are Roman guards who can be like, you're beat up. Boom, get back in there. It's a, it's a wild fantasy to believe that. Some believe the tomb was not empty, that, that's ah, the ladies and everybody around got the wrong tomb that day. They just got confused. <laughs> funny but if that's the case with the spread of christianity going around it would not be hard for the person who knew where the right tomb was to say guess again here's the body that was not the case there's the idea that the disciples stole the body of jesus but the funny thing about that is they had nothing to gain by doing so except for the loss of their life being identified when they had ran away like cowards and then there's the part where well, the disciples were delusional when they claimed to see Jesus. Maybe Jesus was this grand hypnotist or or, or he gave them something to take that would produce these hallucinations. problem with that is um, people don't have grand mass hallucinations to see the same thing. But here's what we know historically. Jesus, in fact, according to reports not only in the Bible but outside the Bible, did die. He was a person who died as a, on a Roman cross by crucifixion. Jesus did and was buried in a tomb not far from that crucifixion type site. Jesus' death threw his disciples early on in a state of despondency as they believed their Savior was dead. Jesus' tomb was discovered to be empty shortly after his burial. The disciple they had a real experience that convinced them that Jesus had risen from the dead and was alive. The experiences with the risen Jesus, it radically transformed these disciples who were once despondent into becoming bold witnesses of the resurrection and even dying for their faith. The message of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was at the heart of the gospel right within the days following the resurrection, I mean the crucifixion. Fifty days later, Peter's there in the center saying, he's alive, so this is not something that came up hundreds of years later. No, this happened within days. The good news of Christ's death and resurrection has been foundational in the birth of the Christian church. Another way of saying that we know historically, all of a sudden you had a group of believers who were dedicated in their faith, began worshiping as the day of honor on Sunday rather than the Sabbath Saturday. Uh, they began switching up in that honor. We see the brother of Jesus, who was once an unbeliever, becomes converted at the side of the resurrection and becomes a leader in the early Jerusalem church. And we see a man named Saul who once dedicated his life to persecuting the church, seeing the resurrected Jesus, was converted and became one of the most dynamic missionaries ever seen. So when you take those facts, you start measuring them up against the possible explanations. And the only thing is, is that Jesus died on the cross and actually rose again. That's what he did. You may say, well, what does that matter? What what does it really matter? Why do you keep harping on this? Because if the resurrection accomplish, it verifies the truth that Jesus is, in fact, who he says he is. That it provides hope for every believer that your trust in him is valid and, and, and validated. It shows that God's approval of Jesus' message about the way of salvation. It says that it, he was correct. It tells us that it's God who raised Jesus from the dead so that it, the possibility of resurrection is there. It establishes his lordship. It shows us his victory. It gives us his pledge of a final judgment. And it shows us that our position as his disciples is forever altered. We're no longer the same when we trust Jesus. But the tomb was not the only thing that was empty. We see also that the scriptures were opened and fulfilled. In verses 13 through 27, we see a conversation of two men who were followers of Jesus and as they're leaving Jerusalem on a seven mile journey, they begin having a conversation discussing everything that had happened. And all of a sudden this man who they did not recognize is with them. And they begin telling him and asking him, he's asking, why are you discussing these things? Why are you, why are you having such conflict right now? And they're like, are you not the only one that's heard now? I just want to Give you the laughable moment there. They're asking Jesus, "Don't you know what's gone on the last couple days?" Is that not a laughable moment? Um, yeah, bro, I was there. Like, I know about it a little bit more than you do. And so he's talking to them, and then they're, they're saying, "We had hoped that he was the the Messiah. He he seemed to be this prophet and working these miracles." But then Jesus begins sharing with them from the beginning of 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 the Bible from Moses through the prophets. All the things that would concern Jesus. He says that this is all that's there. The things concerning himself. What's so interesting here, I love what Tabidi Anabuale says, you know, that's a mouthful of his name, I know. But he says that they, these men here in this moment, they knew the facts of the Gospel, but they didn't recognize the face of the Gospel as Jesus is walking with them. And here's the problem that all of us can face if we're not careful. The message of Jesus is not purely intellectual. About having the right knowledge. It's spiritual. When you say that this is not just a moment that happened for information's sake, it's that the whole Bible is pushing us towards this moment. If we're not properly reading our Bible... And seeing how it connects to Jesus and His life and His death and His burial and His resurrection to see that He's the subject and the hero we're missing out. See, our faith is not to be rooted in some big, awesome experience. It's meant to be rooted in this is the plan of God. And it's good for you to know it, to recognize His face all over it. That's what He was doing from the beginning. One writer said it this way. That true biblical Christianity is God saying to the world, I told you so. I said it before that I would deliver you. and Just like that, I delivered. I said it from the start. And it happened. You see, the scriptures were open and fulfilled. And these people that were walking these... These two believers, these two early disciples on the road to Emmaus, they're there. And their hearts are being opened before the fulfillment of Jesus in the Scripture. Thirdly, their eyes were opened and they recognized Him. As they get to Emmaus, this, this little village seven miles out of Jerusalem, they ask Jesus to sit down with them and He's like, okay, I'll, I'll have dinner with you. And as they're sitting down and He breaks the bread it says their eyes are open. and all of a sudden what had been told them on that road, it all of a sudden has that aha moment and comes and makes sense. And they're sitting with Jesus and they recognize Him. And as soon as He... Is recognized. He's gone. It shows the supernatural ability of Jesus to be there one moment and then gone the next. But they start discussing. Weren't our hearts burning within us while we were talking with him on the road and he explained the scripture to us? Wasn't it pressing in on us? Wasn't it doing just like what Hebrews chapter four says that the the word of God is a sharp, double-edged sword, living and active? piercing through the bone and marrow, even to the hearts and thoughts. That what the Scripture says changes our heart. And it opens our eyes as we recognize that Jesus is who He said all along. And what do they do? After they saw and recognized Jesus, well, they decide, well... A seven-mile walk one way was not enough. Let's get up and boogie on down to Jerusalem. we got to let others know about this. We cannot keep this to ourselves. That should be an overflow of every believer. That once we know, we cannot keep it to ourselves. Fourthly, their minds were opened and they believed. As the, the people from Emmaus, they get there, they're, the, the other disciples, the, the apostles, they're in a locked room together. They're still fearful. Once again, they haven't understood what's going on. But then Jesus appears. Locked door and everything. He stands there and he says, peace to you. Pretty good message. One that I think all of us should hear and not take too lightly. These same disciples who, while in the garden, some of them fell asleep on Jesus. They're like, ah, he wanted us to stay up and pray, but I'm really tired. I, I had a little too much matzah for that Passover dinner and I'm just kind of done. And they're falling asleep. And and it's not only that, but then whenever the people come to arrest him, pew, they're all gone. And then you got Peter there who's denied Jesus. And so Jesus does not show up and go, guess who's back and who, guess who's in trouble? You know that, that spanking that whooping mama said? It's here. You ever had that problem where you know you did something really bad and you just don't want to deal with the repercussions? Can you imagine the disciples the first time they saw Jesus? Oh, no. But instead His message is peace to you. And yet they're still scared. So He shows them His hands and His feet. And he, he eats something before them. And then He, he starts telling them with a the second Bible study, this is, this is the words I was sharing with you. But I was still with you, that everything written about Me in the Law of Moses, in the Prophets, in the Psalms, must be fulfilled that the Old Testament tells us about the promise of God. The New Testament tells us the provision. And He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And they believed. It's the second Bible study after the resurrection on the same day. But what Jesus tells them that this is, this is not just about information. This is also about preparation after their minds are open to understand the scriptures when they believe he says that the messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and then repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations okay sounds good we heard about that preach the gospel everywhere got it there's these three words that follow beginning at jerusalem Jesus tells His disciples, I want you to begin here. I want you to begin telling the forgiveness of sins to the very crowd that just a couple of days ago cried out for my crucifixion. Now I want to tell you, if you're in this room and you think, I have done some awful stuff, how could God ever forgive me? He forgave the very ones that called and were there in the moment saying, put Him to death! Nail Him to the cross! Death to this man! So please, if you're here and you're struggling with something real, whatever it may be, do not feel like God can't forgive you. His grace is that rich that He says, I want you to start here. Don't go back to your hometown of Galilee. Don't go back to Capernaum. Don't go to that area. Go here. The need is here. In the city that's been so broken. And stay here. And I'm going to send you the one I've promised. You see, this mind being opened is not just so we can say, oh, Cool. I like Jesus now. But it's to send us out to say, I can be used by Jesus now to help others see the grace that He showed me, He can also show them. This is the Gospel. How beautiful and awesome it is that there is this holy God who would create things from the beginning and holy and just as He is, He created man knowing that there would be the offense of sin. And He made the way from the beginning To pay the price for their sin. By paying it for them. By being the one that would give them full, free, undeserved forgiveness to the very uttermost. As J.C. Ryle, a missionary in the early 1900s, would say, that's the manner of Christ. It may not be in the manner and mode of thinking of regular man, but that is the mode of God. And based on what Jesus has done, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, who recognizes their sin, who God opens their eyes to see Him, they can place their faith in Jesus and He will save. He says, I will do that for whoever shall call upon my name. And I will change their eternity from that of death to life, from curse to blessing, from sin and wickedness to righteousness, from hell to heaven. I will set a new destination before them. But I will also provide a new direction in the meantime. Their life will be transformed, not because they're smart enough or good enough or doggone it, people like them, but because they know the Lord Jesus and have experienced Him in His resurrection. Lastly, the Bible tells us in this little snippet of Scripture, this detailing of the story, as all these pieces are coming together where you had. This moment and this moment and now they're telling us this is bigger than we once first thought is that heaven was open and Jesus ascended. That after being on the earth for 40 days, He leads them out of Jerusalem to the near the place of Bethany. He blesses them. He raises His hands and He's lifted and carried into heaven. And it says, after that moment, they worshipped him, they recognized who he was, and they worshipped him, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They didn't walk out with drudgery saying, well, Jesus said we got to do this now. They went back and they spent days in prayer waiting what God would have. And after those days, the Lord sent the Holy Spirit to be with them and indwell all the believers. And we're not going fully into that Today. We'll talk about that later, but what happens in their joy, they're continually in the temple praising God. They're continually where the people are saying, this is how good my Lord is. So today, I don't know where you are and how the resurrection impacts you. But if you needed some action steps, something what I could do, what do I need to know aside from the tomb was emptied and and the Scriptures is have been opened and fulfilled and our eyes can recognize and our, our minds can be broadened and and that we can be sent out and know that Jesus still reigns. What do I need to know? What do I need to do? Well, for some of you, today being the day that you need to see Jesus. Like, really see Him. Really look to Him and trust in Him. I'm not asking you to go on a super huge quest. I'm just asking you to look and trust in Jesus. To see that Because he rose from the dead, this is the one that has authority over life and death. This is the one who has authority over sin and the enemy. This is the one who has authority over, yes, you and I. This is the one who reigns supremely, the one who loves us deeply, and the one who will ultimately judge all humanity eternally. And what he's asking you to do is to look at him and trust him as the Savior, the risen Lord who did this for his glory yes but his grace extends for our good some in this room need to see jesus for who he really is and trust in him some of us need to grow in our knowledge of jesus we've seen him before we we recognize him our 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 hearts are torn up we recognize this is jesus we've placed our trust but our knowing and experiencing our life with Him and growing with Him, it's not where it needs to be. And you need to know that this risen Savior walks with us. He speaks with us. He teaches us from His Word. And then all of us, all of us who have followed Jesus, who have trusted Him, let us be like those early disciples to know that we have something to be joyful about. And to joyfully live on mission for the kingdom of God. Knowing that the earth and all of its troubles and all the things that we see that bring us heartache and pain, the things that we even fear, will one day be overcome. But there is a kingdom of God that will reign eternally. Why? Because there's a king who already does. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today we celebrate you and your great grace. And I pray that as we come to the conclusion today, that You would have Your way with the souls, the hearts, the minds of every single person in this room. And at this moment, we would even consider, God, having our eyes opened, our ears cleared, our hearts rended apart, for You to search us and to lead us, to show us where we must follow and take that next step of faith, following under Your Lordship. But God, I know that's impossible just in the willpower of man. May you have your way in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.